Hello and welcome back to the Space Menagerie podcast with me, Steve Irwin in space. I'm here as usual with my two fellow co-hosts, Smithy the Drop Bear, say hello Smithy, and Gonzo the Croc, say hello Croc. Well, without further ado, let's uh, let's uh, get this show on the road, throw another Skippy on the barbie. <laughs> Was that the intro, was it? It was throw the skippy on the Barbie, the equivalent of when Jake says it. I hadn't thought that far ahead. No. Uh, right, we should address the elephant in the room. Uh, why did why did that mania greet you and why is Jake not here? Um, we killed him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, uh, Jake is, well, Jake's double bugged himself and then has massive surgery that he only announced to us. Well, he announced to me last night later the gig and announced to you, I presume, this morning. Um, so uh, we decided, um, fuck him, let's do a podcast without him. Let's do a podcast him. anyway! Way! And of course we've got Space Steve Irwin here to help, along with Smithy and Gonzo. So it's a right rollicking crowd today. Uh, we've got plenty of things to talk about. Yeah. Well, speaking of international stuff... Do we want to address the other thing that's making us cross that isn't the absence of our co-host? But you have been, may I say, making some fine memes about that are the only tonic in this dark and terrible day. Oh, God. Yeah, so obviously a few days ago, uh, Paramount in all their glory decided to announce that Star Trek Discovery Series 4 would not be airing on Netflix and that they've pulled it at the last minute and it's only going to appear on Paramount+. Plus. Obviously, we're all raging. Like, this is an absolute crock of shit. And, like, the memes online have been coming thick and fast with people, you know, <laughs> saying, like, pointing out that Picard quote where he says, well, now we no longer care about the acquisition of wealth. We work to better ourselves and for the good of others. Oh, just posting this quote here. No idea why. <laughs> and obviously the disco actors have been kind of siding with the viewers and saying that they're sort of disappointed and they didn't know this was going to happen either. And, you know, I, I did make a meme of Spock and Kirk looking at the announcement and Kirk saying, what does it mean, Mr. Spock? And Spock saying, well, Captain, <laughs> logic dictates that with the oversaturation of subscription services, piracy will inevitably rise. Uh, yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do believe the actors when they say that because, like, you know, we're in the unique situation of having met some of them uh, only this weekend, where they. Oh were yeah, sorry. Talk- did we mention that we uh, met some of the actors on? Sorry, did we met? <laughs> did we mention that we met the actors on Star Trek Discovery? D- sorry, did I? That we met Mary Wiseman. So, did we tell you that uh, we met Mary Wiseman and Emily Coots and Blue Del Barrio? Oh, do you know? Did you know that we met them? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah, I um, I do gen. I also do genuinely believe that. Yeah, because yeah. they seemed because it the, before they'd said anything, it felt like a real kick in the stomach because I hadn't even realised how soon Discovery season four was coming. Like I knew it was soon, but I wasn't like, oh, it's coming this week. I'm super excited. And then I had that really nice weekend with you guys. There was quite a lot of Discovery in our weekend, you know, and at Destination Star Trek. Like, Voyager and Discovery were the two shows that I think were highly represented at that show with a little bit of DS9. Otherwise, you know, those were the two shows which were being pushed because Discovery's coming out soon, Voyager's anniversary. And the Discovery actors were like, we're looking forward to you seeing it, and there was so many times when they're like, oh, we can't tell you that thing, I can't answer that question, I'm sorry, because it's coming out soon and we're under really serious no, they don't actually spoil it, guys, thing. And, you know, the actors were taking all of this pained effort, but they might as well have told me what happened, because, like, you know, fucking, it's it's not, it's going to be spoiled for me before I get to see it, um, yep. you know, in unless I do it illegally, and, you know... 
I don't know if this podcast would ever reach the point where Paramount would pay attention to it and start making demands of how we use copyrights that you know because it's oh, it's all fair for us to do this as review and so on um but it would be copyright infringement to access their stuff illegally and then talk about it on this show i've looked it up you know fair use does not extend as far as yeah you can pirate it to talk about about it you know we can talk about it summarize it um i could even use clips from the show if i wanted like a couple of other podcasters who do similar stuff do but we can't do that if we pirate it. So now, Discovery Season 4, because we're in Britain, we're not going to be able to talk about it on Red Shirts until it has been on Paramount+. Plus, and that even depends if we can get hold of it and do the subscription. <sighs> it's That's just it's annoying. just so just rampant, like, capitalism just gone yeah. mad. It's just, but it's greed that won't even fucking work. It's this going is to what backfire. Drives me mad. No one is like, going to pay for Paramount Plus. Like, I'm sorry, Paramount, but your properties are not that important. Like, everyone was delighted that Star Trek was on Netflix, and I can't think of how many hundreds of thousands of new viewers Star Trek must now have because it's been on Netflix. But no yeah. fucker, except for the most ardent of Star Trek fans, is going to pay for a fucking subscription service just for Paramount properties? Like, Oh, fuck off they, like people they... barely even want to play for disney plus and big mouse now like owns half of pop culture so like the idea yeah, that paramount plus is going to be successful for a month to catch up on the star wars and then stop yeah exactly people like, download that's... it you watch mandalorian and then you delete your account i mean <laughs> that's how it works you just i hope i hope but i think i may be wrong that they don't put the rest of star trek behind a similar gate because that will really make life hard for us and also, can I just can I just talk to Paramount executives for a second? Yeah, Paramount. you, Richard Junior Smiten the Third, Paramount executive, who's a dedicated listener of Red Shirts Cast. Yeah, yeah, we're talking to you. Listen yeah, up, just, Sonny boy. Just, just listen a sec. In a room like a stone's throw away from me right now, there is on my shelf the Starship Enterprise USS. Enterprise NCC 1701D made of gold plating that I spent a hundred quid on. And I will not be paying for Paramount Plus. I'm a pretty dedicated fan to do a podcast and buy a gold Enterprise. If I don't think Paramount Plus is worth it, who is your fucking audience? Yeah, I paid, what, 70 quid to have my autographs with Discovery Actors this weekend? Fuck me, I paid £160 to have a 0.2 second photograph taken with Ethan Peck and Anthony Mount a couple of years back. And I will not be paying £7.99 a month or whatever the fuck it's going to cost for Paramount+. It's a stupidly high amount as well. Like, it's not like a small... Because, like, there are some subscriptions that... Like, you've got to accept, I think, in your life in the modern age that there are some subscriptions you pay for, right? Like Your phone bill. yeah, and so on. But, like... It's just the increasing move to force all content to be unownable and just constantly rentable so that you can never actually buy or own creative properties anymore. You just have to constantly pay a fee to the to the company that owes them to kind of have the continued ability to access and, and watch that content. Mm. Yeah. Well... That's sad, but we can rent um, uh, an episode of Star Trek Voyager, which we watched for for this episode of Red Shirts. So, yes, you know, Space Steve Irwin. What episode did you watch this week? Uh, I watched an episode called uh, Q Two. It was about some uh, some blokes in spice. Uh, they're on a spice ship. Uh, Nathan, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about what happened in Q Two? Yeah. All right. So. We begin with Janeway listening to what was supposed to be a 20-minute presentation um, from Icheyeb, and uh, she tells him, congratulations, you have passed early Starfleet history, and no, I don't need to listen to the other chapters, thank you. Um, A young man appears behind him and says uh, he would have failed him. Turns out this is Q's son, Q, who I will now refer to as Junior, because it's always confusing. Q considers whether Janeway was the best... um, Godparent and asks if Jean Luc is any better. Um, he wants Janeway to look after Junior, and uh, no, he won't be taking no for an answer. Uh, 
Before too long, Junior has been through every deck and seen bipeds pushing buttons, replacing relays, and so on. He creates a nightclub out of engineering and will not be told off. Uh, he even nicks Seven's clothing and she does not respond, but Neelix feels that ignoring him won't work for long, so he offers to go mentor him. Goes about as well as you expect, Junior fuses Neelix's jaws and rips out his vocal cords. The ship rocks, Junior has summoned three Borg cubes to see how humans deal with pressure. Surprisingly, Janeway can hold out from this, but the Borg get on the ship and then Q appears and admonishes his son. Do not provoke the Borg! Q undoes everything. This is supposed to be a lesson for Junior. He was supposed to inspire peace and compassion, but he's been bringing utter chaos. And Mama Q blames Papa Q, and Janeway is cross about all of this. Q needs to parent! He doesn't know where to begin. He's the first parent in the continuum. Um, Janeway suggests maybe spend some time with him and uh, gets a snog for her troubles. Janeway gives Chakotay the bridge, heads to her quarters, and Q teleports into her bath. He smothered Junior with affection and he's now embarrassed to be seen with him in the Q years that have passed in the last 10 minutes. Janeway explains that uh, Junior needs to learn there are consequences to your actions. Q says that Junior, therefore, has one week, one normal week, to change his ways, or he will be stuck as an amoeba that he was just put in the form of for, well, eternity. That's sort of the timescale Q's deal with. Oh, also, uh, Junior loses his powers and he has to stay here on Voyager to be parented by Janeway, who is overjoyed. Uh, Junior storms off, so Janeway has a security detail escort him to his quarters, and she is clearly enjoying it. Uh, she nicks his rank pips too and designs a curriculum for him. Seven is assigned to teach Junior causation. He asks to see her naked body, thereby proving he has the emotional intellect of Jake Donaldson, uh, <laughs> who can object now if he doesn't like that characterization. Poor Blimey, that was a bit rude, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Chakotay takes Junior through a diplomacy scenario, but he's confident he can handle this. Chakotay and Janeway meet up, and to the former surprise, Q Junior has not only managed to um, sort out the problem, but he managed to get the Cardassian to apologise for the occupation of Bajor. Uh, Neelix is teaching Junior hard work in the mess hall and talking to him. Ichev offers Junior... Uh, offers to Junior to participate in recreation, but he doesn't have time, so Ichev offers to help with an essay. When Janeway reads through it, she recognises it for the pure plagiarism it is. Oh, and uh, we know that you reprogrammed that diplomacy simulation. We're not stupid. Uh, Janeway is prepared to give him one more chance, and with a newly focused mind, um, Junior gets, sets about it. Four days after the ultimatum, He's been applying himself and been quite a bit nicer, too. Junior turns in a new draft of the essay and even uh, allows... is even allowed to go with Ichev for a piloting lesson um, with Tom Paris. They don't have too much trouble, save for a small ion imbalance. As Junior... as Janeway goes for a turbo lift, Q pokes out of it and she decides to get the next one. Uh, Q reappears again. Q is surprised at how hard work uh, Junior how hard Junior is working, and he presents his essay to his father. Q doesn't seem to appreciate his son's work. Janeway is furious at his lack of pride. He doesn't. Um, he needs to demonstrate exemplary Q-ness, and essay writing is not it. Uh, Junior and Janeway meet in his room. She wants to see how he is. She is worried that he might be upset and suggests that you have two days left, but Junior doesn't see the point. Janeway says... Stay on Voyager as a human if they won't let you back. But he doesn't want to be human. He wants to be Q. He is nice about it, though, so that's good. Uh, Junior calls Ichayab Ichi, and he calls Junior Q-Ball. Um, Junior wants to do something for Tom, repair the imbalance for him to demonstrate initiative. The two boys work and manage to do it, and then Junior starts up the shuttle. Ichayab doesn't understand. Junior is going to open a tunnel through space and run away. He has taken care of every last detail, and Junior wants out before Q can put him into the amoeba. Junior escapes Voyager's tractor beam, goes uh, to some planet somewhere far away. Ichieb wants to return to Voyager. Soon a vessel appears and decides to incarcerate the two boys. Junior fires on the ship and tries to escape. Uh, he lets Ichieb go to tactical, but he's soon hit by some kind of energy surge. Junior escapes to Voyager, and it appears Ichieb is injured. 
Junior lies about what happened to his father, and then is forced to admit it. Junior wants Q to save him, but it's about time you learned a lesson about consequences. Jinwei challenges Junior to go back to the ship he attacked and get the information on the weapon, which would let the Doctor save Ichiab. The Doctor wonders why Junior objects to this plan. After all, he'll be an amoeba tomorrow, but uh, better an amoeba than a corpse. Jinwei grills the young man tells him he can do the right thing and Ichiab might be saved. Junior is seen apologise with Janeway looming over the top as the responsible adult. The aliens agree, but wish to punish Janeway. She's an adult, and in their culture, they're responsible. Janeway begs for him to take the brunt. Turns out, though, the alien is Father Q. He smiles and laughs and uh, takes Junior to be judged very confidently. Q, Janeway, and Junior appear before the three judges who find him lacking. They will not reinstate his powers. He will remain human rather than amoeba due to that final act of contrition. Q is furious and beams away. Janeway confronts Junior. Later, Janeway, uh, Junior goes to Janeway and he says he wants to prove himself to her and he doesn't think that Q will see Junior again, but Q reappears at that very moment. Q apparently told the companion that he didn't want to be part of anything that wouldn't accept his son. We're a package deal. Junior gets his powers back, he creates a flower, flowers for the captain, like a lot of flowers, <laughs> and the adults have a chat. Q has to agree to a few conditions, such as eternal custody of Junior, and Q offers um, uh, her offers Janeway a few years of Voyager's trip as a thank you. After all, what sort of example would he be setting for his son if he did all the work for them? And that's where the episode ends. Fair dinkum! Thank you, Space mm -hmm. Steve, and thank you, Nathan, for that excellent summary. Uh, so, what do we think of this episode? Um, I thought it was better than the previous one. Yeah. It's still not my favourite Q episode ever, but I quite liked it. Yeah, I think I agree, actually. when you Now that you've said it out loud, you're right, it is better than the Q and the Grey. It was an improvement. I was concerned after the Q and the Grey and Death Wish that this third episode was just going to complete the trio by also being phenomenally racist. But I can say that fortunately it is not. So that is definitely a point in its favour. It like it still maintains the theme of casual sexual harassment. Yeah. <laughs> at least, but with, at least with Junior, he is literally a pubescent teenage boy that's so you acting out. Like he, it, it's not it's not shown as an appropriate thing to be doing. I know, but it's like, look, raise your children better. You know, like, there's absolutely no reason why, like, an 18-year-old Well, raise boy... your children better is kind of the point of the episode, Yeah, I yeah. I mean, he's clearly learnt his sort of sexual harassment from his father. So, you know, like yeah. like father, like son, unfortunately. I hope, I do hope they, that when, um, if Q is back, you know, well, we know Q is coming back for Picard. Better not be on fucking Paramount Plus. Crumble fucking, oh, fuck, fucking fuck's sake! Fuck. Um, uh, but they, um, I, I hope they kind of elevate him back to what he generally was with Jean Luc, which was posing interesting questions and being a bit of a trickster man. Like, it's not that I don't think this episode is good or that it doesn't work. It is fun, but there are some. I don't know. There's just some like it, it. It it contributes to that general like decay. I think that's set in with Q and the Grey and with Q and Voyager, where the stuff he's caring about is just less important. But now that he is having to take Q Junior with him everywhere in custody, then he has to appear in Picard. But yeah, like we I... know that he isn't going to, right? So how is that going to work? Uh, well, generally the writers of Picard were pretty good. I mean, they've had Echeb and they had... Um, yeah, and they killed seven. him. But yeah, he but I... He was so cute and he was gorgeous in this episode. He was so sweet. He was so wholesome. Yeah. And like... I, I, when Picard came out, didn't understand why people were so cross about that scene because I was like... Who is this think... bitch? That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, clearly this is one of the people um, Seven was close to with, like, one of the bald children, and yeah. this is kind of sad. But I didn't think it was, like, the, like, Echeab is actually the person that represents that group yeah. of characters on the show. It's a bit like, you know, offhandedly shooting Ensign Kim or something. <laughs> like... Oh, uh, it's just, yeah, it, I... I found that really upsetting in hindsight now because Icheb in this episode 
is very kind to Q Jr. Even when Q Jr. is just consistently a dick to him, the first thing he says when he appears on the Enterprise is to mock Icheb and mock his wonderful essay that he's written. And bless him, he's written a whole fucking book just for his essay assignment for Jamie, yeah. which is just so sweet of him. So, Q- And I love that first scene where Jadeway is like, like there's clearly this like I don't want to put this guy this, this child this ambitious very like hardworking child off yeah. but this is I can't keep listening to this. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, um, that's lovely, but uh, it won't be necessary for you to read it aloud. Um, yeah, and then he just consistently is mocked by Q two, but then all he does throughout the episode is come to Q two and make overtures of friendship over and over again and he just keeps at it and he's not put off by q2 being a dick until eventually actually q2 does accept his offer of friendship and they become really good Mm. friends and i just think what a genuinely sweet and kind young man that he he clearly has like a borg sensibility of you know he's quite he's quite cold so he's not actually bothered by q being a dick to him but but he could be he's only a teenager i mean and and he just keeps coming back and he just wants to be his mate i just thought in hindsight i now feel really awful that Icheb died in picard um now that i've seen a bit more of him well do you want do you want a fun fact i know this is usually jake's domain but i've I've found uh, an interesting one yeah go for it is it the funnest Uh, fact of all uh, that Junior is played by John DeLacy's actual son. That is amazing, right? That I'm sorry, yeah. but that is so cool. And he auditioned for it. No! Like, he, 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 he auditioned it and the producers were like, oh, we don't really want to cast them because it's a bit of a gimmick and a bit of a, you know, I'm thing sorry, that happens in Hong Kong. But he's but fantastic. Then they were like, oh, he's clearly the best actor. He's so. absolutely, he's genuinely, his acting is absolutely fantastic. He's so good. And he very much has Q's mannerisms about him. And I was sort of 20 minutes in, I think, when I'd seen him turn around and he'd done something with his lips. And I was like, that's the thing that John Delancey does with his mouth. And I was like, hang on a minute. I was thinking about how similar they are and how good this kid is at acting like him. Are they actually... Is he actually his son? And then I googled it and I was like, no! So, yeah, I think Keegan Delancey, former actor apparently, but definitely could still be an actor because, wow, I, I honestly blown away by his skill in this episode. He was really, really sort of charismatic, engaging to watch. Um, somehow managed to be simultaneously the most infuriating and awful child in the entire universe and then simultaneously also managed to really tug on your heartstrings and make you care about him and root for him, which is impressive and it's something that Wesley Crusher did not manage to do for quite a large subsection of the audience no. of TNG. So, no. And he's done Junior, it in one episode. Junior is pretty, is great and I like, I, I like the, I, I like the, Franks, I don't know if that's the word that he starts like like turning the warp <gasps> core into a nightclub. That and was so a great like... one. If if I was Balana and suddenly engineering became a nightclub, I would not be like, uh, Captain to Engineering, I'm having an issue. I'd be like, Holla! Let's get on <laughs> these platforms. Yeah! Let's yeah. grind on this Andorian. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, that's what was missing from uh, Destination Star Trek for you. You never got a chance to grind on an Andorian. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. yeah. Would absolutely What's love that. What's the most that. grindable on Star Trek species, do you think? Sorry? What's the most grindable on Star Trek species? Like, I mean, Orions you... are famously quite sexy, so I think that they would be really good at grinding. Um, I think that it would be entertaining to grind on something that's sort of slightly viscous and slimy like the hoarder from the um, original series that like yeah. slime blob that lives in a mine yeah, yeah yeah no i know i'm just <laughs> wouldn't that be I'm funny just, i'm just thinking about how much i regret this question <laughs> um. <sighs> i would love to see a borg trying to like hip thrust because they do it so jerky, oh yeah Amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah, so Q Jr., how did he go from the child that I literally have hated the most in my entire life to suddenly a child that I really cared about and wanted to be all right? And I, I realise it's because... 
And this is so true for real life. When you meet a little shit of a teenager or a child who's really, really annoying and you just think they're obnoxious, they're unpleasant, they don't care about other people, they're unkind, they're willfully cruel um, and they're just willfully horrible on purpose. All of which describe Q too, how he starts off in this episode. And you hate them. And then you meet their parents and see the way their parents treat them. Then suddenly you are 100% in their corner and you want to protect them and be there for them. And I think that's exactly what happens to Janeway in this episode is Q2 is a fucking nightmare. And I would 100% straight up murdered him myself. He's disgusting (laughs) in the first 10 episodes of this. And then when you see the way that Q talks about him as though he's a disappointment when he's you know, still, you know, he's a child that Q's created and then Q's places enormous burden on him of having to somehow be the saviour of the continuum. And because he's acted out a little bit and Q's obviously been an absent father who's not given him any boundaries or given him any parenting whatsoever, because he's then ended up angry, unhappy, obnoxious and acting out all the time, Q's then blaming him for that to the point where they're going to actually basically confine him to like an eternity living as an amoeba you just think what the fuck is wrong with these people and i love that janeway immediately became like his mum. with about two minutes she went from like get this child off my ship to being like i will defend this child with my life <laughs> and i will tell off q for being a shitty dad yeah no i i, I love that i mean i love i i would have liked to see i don't know no, I don't know. Like, it would have been interesting, I think, to also look at this as Q is the first parent rather than Junior being such a, you know, Junior is a disruptive child that's really hard to, you know, how do you teach him anything? Um, but, I don't know, like, it. it it's a tricky episode to do, and I think they did pretty well, so, yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you empathize, uh, empathize, em- empathize words are hard, um, uh, with Junior, because I feel like this is similar to your day job. <laughs> like, there's a bit of me that's like, oh, Maddie's definitely been a Janeway in, <laughs> in this situation. Yeah, yeah, I'm not as, I'm, I'm certainly not as good at being stern as Janeway is um, and I'm not as authoritative as Janeway Who was. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, we've seen Kate Milgrew, like, hey Milgrew, like, I don't think we, we mentioned this in our in our DST. We did, but we thing. should say it again. Yeah, like, we certainly didn't, uh, you know, give it the right, like, she has a stage presence. She, like, you know, all the other actors were very charismatic and nice. And Kate Mulgrew was like, no, I am in command here. I am in command of this entire <laughs> exhibition centre and you will all do as I say. Yeah. yeah. She, Janeway 100% brought that in this episode and Kate Mulgrew apparently just naturally has that as a person. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, she, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Of It is, you know, in some ways, this was like an episode of Janeway um, accidentally having to social work this child. Mm. Um, but she does a fucking phenomenal job. Like, she yeah. knows just exactly when to be firm with him, where to be strict with him. But also she responds to his emotional needs in a way that his parents clearly fucking don't and thereby mm. gains his respect and his trust. And you just think, oh, this poor baby, he's the only child of an entire civilization, so it can't have been easy for him. And I think what this episode emphasises, among other things, is the way Janeway, because of her situation as a captain and her position and so on, has to fill a lot more roles, even more than... Like, you know, the average Starfleet captain. Because, like, Jean-Luc Picard, right? He was something of a surrogate father figure to Wesley out of a (laughs) personal, like, connection. The worst, the worst surrogate father figure ever. Like, a surrogate father who actively hates their stepson. (laughs) We should watch the episode where where uh, Wesley's at Starfleet Academy because that is some Picard doing some telling off. That is, uh, Picard gives a speech which is basically, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed Excellent. to Wesley and it's amazing. Excellent. Um, but 
uh, like, my point was that relationship is more because of the personal history between Picard and Jack Crusher and Beverly yeah. Crusher. It is not, you know, to do with the fact he's the captain and he doesn't mm-hmm. really get involved in any with any of the other children. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cisco has a son, but he doesn't, you know, get involved with O'Brien's children or anything like that. Janeway has to. Yeah. Because yeah. there are children on her ship because yeah. of the morgue children and, you know, later on some of the chil- the crew start having babies and she has to do so many roles. She has to be her PR person and God love her, she doesn't get much relaxation from it because Q will teleport into oh her back at any moment. Yeah, this episode just really makes me respect Janeway so much more and makes, yeah. I think after seeing this, now that I've seen enough Voyager... I think I finally am at a point where I understand why Janeway is a lot of people's favourite captain. Because she is literally the entire world for the crew on her ship. And Q calls her the mommy of the crew. And he does it in this kind of mocking way. But actually, the reality is she is their mum. She is their entire world. She is their like sole mm. attachment and authority figure. And they have no outside world because they are trapped with her potentially for the next 75 years. So like what she's doing is running, she's like a single mother running an entire orphanage herself, like with no outside resources and making it work and having the time and the kind of kindness and the compassion, but also the sort of stern rules and like, you know, competent use of authority to manage it and keep everything running smoothly without people going gaga and also to manage the hopes and fears of expectations of an entire crew of people who are probably going spare and probably going to need like decades of therapy when they come out of this because like what a horrific trauma of thinking that you're never going to see your family again and you're never going to see Earth again. She's managing all of that, like the existential crisis of 300 people as well as everything else. So I'm like... My God, does she know what she's doing? <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, she's... Like, uh, people talk about her having a slightly inconsistent character, and I think that is somewhat true, but I also think it's somewhat just due to, like, her being like, what hat am I wearing today? What, mm-hmm. like, what, what, what Janeway is needed today? What, you know, th- you know, she's a very... Um, mature captain. Yeah. In some ways. And in this episode, we definitely saw her wear the auntie hat. She was like an aunt slash teacher slash mentor to Q and to Icheb in this episode. Um, and she like really stepped up that role. Um, yeah. She was just amazing. I'm a Janeway stan now, especially having seen how like how commanding of a stage Kate Mulgrew is in real life. Um, yeah. All hail Janeway. <laughs> All hail Janeway, saviour of the universe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, this is... I feel like... I mean, I feel like one thing I want to talk about is uh, Neelix getting his mouth sewn shut. It's just like, <laughs> I'm sad Jake's not here because <laughs> he would have enjoyed that. Okay, right? this actually makes me sad right because Neelix actually weirdly the last few episodes are making me a Neelix fan because he genuinely reached out to this child immediately when Q Jr. had almost got them killed by the Borg Neelix's response was to be compassionate and to be kind to him and treat him like a child which he is you know he's an omnipotent dickhead of a child but he's still a child um And I just thought, wow, that's actually like such a mature and calm and, and sort of humble response from Neelix to go up to this being who's just almost murdered you and in cold blood and be there like, look, do you want to sit down and like play a game of fucking space Jenga or whatever it is that he invites him to do? Um, and poor Neelix gets his <laughs> mouth sewn up for his trouble <laughs> and his voice box removed, um, which is odd because I feel like that little bit of the episode never really went anywhere. I mean, it was a good point to establish exactly how cruel and thoughtless Q Jr. can be. And it really did hammer home the fact that he was, at this stage, completely irredeemable. But um, it it's never, it's never addressed again later in the episode 
other there's than a very there's a very funny like pacing with this episode because it feels just so like there's Q is like this episode is about Q's son being left on Voyager and trying to corral him and how do you control a teenager with massive powers and yeah. that's where the Neelix section caught you know and, and and it sort of feels like the trick is going to be how do we relate to this kid who is completely unlike us and then it comes to like the section where it's like you know will Q how do we reform Q and then it's kind of and then the, there's the third section with the sort of Ichieb and escaping and 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 it's all about Q and the continuum's expectations it, it shifts its focus a couple of times and it's a little I think perhaps um, perhaps to its detriment yeah it's very scatty at first when you go from zero to five million with about 12 ball cubes attacking them and you're like whoa, whoa, whoa and then suddenly the ball cubes are gone and you're like whoa and then you know then there's more scenes of like is he going to be a dick is he not going to be a dick and then eventually you're like okay surely this episode is going to have some kind of climax or crisis because suddenly everything seems like it's fine again and then it does come to that climax when Q steals the shuttle and causes a bit of drama and almost gets a Cheb killed um but yeah i think it the, the pacing sort of makes more sense from about halfway in when Q starts to sort of settle down and, and fall into the routines a bit more. But the first 15 yeah. minutes were a bit like, woo, 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 back forth, back forth. Jane wins in a bubble bath. Q's in the bubble bath too with all of his uniform on. Q's trying to snog Janeway's foot. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> Did Quentin yeah. Tarantino direct this episode of Voyager? Um, but yeah, yeah. overall, I, I think mean, it is good. very like that. And, and like, you know, the ultimate, like, the, the ultimate meme of this episode is, uh, don't provoke the morgue! Because <laughs> John DeLisey <laughs> goes fucking mental when he does that. Like, it's so, um, it's so, like, such a memeable face he has on Ben. He's just like, ah! He's very good at making <laughs> his eyes sort of pop out of his head. Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah, and just looking like completely sort of apoplectic and just goggle-eyed. He's he's good at doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Q in this episode as well, because sure. he kind of adorably made Janeway the godparent, sort of semi against her will, uh <laughs> in the Q and the Grey when he had Junior. Um and then he does refer to her as Auntie Catherine through this episode, which is despite everything actually really quite touching uh, <laughs> to think that this mm. omnipotent being like genuinely does respect Janeway enough that actually he would want her to be the godparent to his child. It's a burden she did not ask for and it is a burden that is inflicted against her will. Yeah. Um, and Q is I mean, a dick I mean, there is one it. moment where he's like, oh, is it too late to choose Jean-Luc? And I'm just like, I really want to see that episode. Wait, what? When did <laughs> I, you say that? That right early on... Um, uh, Junior says, the last time you saw me, I was, um, I, I was younger. She's like, you were an infant. You remember? And he's like, well, it may have looked like an infant. And, um, Junior says to Q, oh, she's not very bright. And he's like, no, maybe it's, is it, maybe I should have picked a different godparents. Is it too late to ask Jean-Luc? And then my mind is instantly transported to that episode of, of next, and just how, Junior, like, shut up, shut up, Junior. Immediately done with the shit. <laughs> Because Jean-Luc, like, Janeway is this very caring, like, all right, we'll look after you, we'll keep you on the, the ship kind of thing. Like, I don't want you here, but sure, I'll do whatever. And she's not thrilled with it, but she goes along with it. Jean-Luc would immediately be like, Q, get him off here! Can you get imagine? Off, get off can my ship! Can you imagine the TNG version of this episode? It literally, it would just be... First, Picard screaming at Q, like you've said, and then he'd probably just have Q arrested and taken to his quarters under armed guard. And then, like, he's like, yeah. I am not letting him out for seven days. If you think I'm having this boy walk around my ship, pressing buttons, snapping his fingers, and doing what he likes, then you've got another thing coming, Q. 
Uh, oh my yeah. god! By the end of it, the Borg would have attacked. The ship would be destroyed, but not because of the Borg, but because Q and Picard would have like ripped the ship apart to get together in their rage. Yeah. And then like Daddy Q would come back and be like, "Where's Junior?" <laughs> and it would just be like like bits of the Enterprise slowly floating past the view screen. <laughs> A big card in a shuttle, like Wesley, <laughs> Junior. I I I don't know if you want to do more Q episodes after this, but we should watch the episode where Q is a human, um, because it's it. I mean, it's just got some blow. I mean, it it literally has the situation you've described, but with. Daddy Q, where um, where where Picard immediately sends him to the break. Of course, of much. fucking course. I mean, it. I think this episode it does a really that kind of comparison goes a long way to making me imagine in my mind that although Janeway is not a parent, she would make an excellent parent in many ways. Picard, I think canonically is not a very good uncle. <laughs> And would make a shit dad. <laughs> like, I love Picard, but I don't think he'd be a great dad. Like, I don't... When I say he'd be a shit dad, I don't mean he'd be, like, an abusive asshole father. No. I mean, he'd be, like... He'd be a, a functionally competent, but extremely emotionally distant and uh, f- father well, that, Picard, that creates a kind Picard, of resentful relationship with his Picard's child. <laughs> acknowledged flaw is his disconnect with his family and his inability to deal with children. I actually really like the way they present Picard as bad with children in TNG. And I know this is going off way off off base, right? But like people who are bad with children as characters in TV shows are often shown as remorseless, awful people. And I like that Picard won is bad with children in a way that is, I think, believable in that he's awkward around yes. them and distant and can't connect with them. He's used that professional adults in that environment and he struggles. And two, he sees it as a flaw in himself and always tries to, like, engage... He's, he's just bad at it, like, he, but he does try, which is, like, generally the way you get the bad with children character in TV shows is that they don't even give a fuck and they don't try, like... Or the children, like, comically overreactively start crying when they walk in a room in a way that no, like, real person has ever done. Or at least if a child has ever cried when he walked in the room, it's probably not you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that That is true. I understand that, like, it is very normal that not everyone can... Not everyone gets on with kids. Like, that's fine. Like... Yeah. Uh, like, I don't have a lot of time for people that actively dislike children, I'll be honest. I find that really, un- like, just unnecessarily lacking in compassion and empathy. But I, well, don't mind, I... I don't mind people who are like, yeah, children are fine, but, like, I just don't get them. Like, I can't connect with them. Like, not, yeah, not everyone is going to be that, a kid's best And I don't friend. mind people who don't want children or, you know, would rather... And I don't even mind people saying things like, Oh well, I don't really want to attend this thing because there are me children there, and I'd rather just not. I don't think I will enjoy it with children there. I might enjoy, you know, if someone invites you around for their house for like, you know, at the moment we host um, a friend on Saturdays for like, we 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 cook a nice meal and play some board games and stuff like, and we we invite some friends around. If any of us had children, that would be a very different evening. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I don't mind people not wanting to participate in that. But I don't like people who dislike children and say, oh, you know, all children are awful. Because I'm like, yeah, to be honest, though, they're just a category of human person. Yeah. Like, you know, it it, it, it is not quite, but almost as bad as just saying, like, oh, like because you don't do it with literally anyone else. Yeah. Like, you know... And they have even less, con- you know, like, if it's unacceptable for me to go, yeah, I just don't like anyone over 60. <laughs> like, I just I just fuck fucking off. hate boomers. But, <laughs> I yeah, want them to die. But, like, at least, uh, at least someone over 60 has, you know, capability response, you know, generally speaking, has 
the ability to know what they're saying and know their own mind. You know, children generally aren't responsible. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I do find it weird. I, I think when, it says I, a I'm lot more about you than it does about children if you actively dislike children. Like, because yeah. what you're saying is, okay, you're choosing to effectively, you're choosing to dislike a creature that is in many ways very innocent and naive and is ultimately very good and ultimately well-meaning and all children until they've been completely mistreated and neglected and abused what they ultimately want is to please they want to please the adults around them so it's like you're taking something that is fundamentally good and fundamentally loving and you're just saying oh i hate it what because it's a bit loud get over your fucking self like that's not a reason to hate it that's a reason to just say it doesn't gel with my personality i'm someone who isn't very high energy do you know what i mean if you actively dislike kids i'm like what is what happened to you like why are you like this (laughs) yeah uh, well, I think we probably alienated a few listeners with that discussion. Uh, yeah, probably. But I don't care. If you hate children, you're a bad person. Look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> like I mean, Q I... makes Jane Way do in this episode, in my favourite moment of the episode, mm. where he's like, you should see the looks on your faces. Oh, right, you can. Snaps his fingers and they both get a fucking mirror. That's the, that's the kind of, like, classic Q... Because, like, when you were saying, like, oh, you've got to show exemplary cuteness. And I was like, what does that mean? It was like, well, I'll know when I'll see it. I was like, you know what exemplary cuteness is? Flashing mirrors into someone's head. <laughs> like, yeah. that's just the kind of shit that Q pulls so, like, you know. Because, like, that episode we watched ages ago, um, Cupid, where it's all, like, Robin Hood, which I know you didn't like. Yes. But, like, before he transports them to Sherwood, what Q does is systematically put, like, he didn't need to do this, but just, like, put the costume parts onto each person's, like, head. Like, you know, Data suddenly is shaved and, like, there's a Alan Dale hat on um, Geordie and then they're transported. It's such a, like, normal thing. But um, it's also hilarious, and that's why I love yeah. that he does it. And I, this brings me on to a, another rant, right? Because Q specifically says that the reason he leaves Junior with Janeway is because he's hoping that some of the exemplary Starfleet ideals will rub off on him. And he, he can't be asked to parent himself because he's lazy and he's checked out of doing his bare minimum of what you have you know, signed up to do when you conceive a child. And, and then give birth to it. Um, so he's checked out of that and he's specifically saying that he thinks Aunt Kathy will do a good job. And then when Aunt Kathy does exactly well, what she you was would predict, always going yeah, to exactly yeah, it's what a you really predict she weak would do. point of the episode because it doesn't that's where that's where the pacing stuff doesn't because like that judgment bit and when it's like oh the continuum will find him laughing yeah like what have you I'd been doing thought... with him what sorry what did you want her to be doing with him like teaching well, yeah, him how and... to do magic tricks with mirrors and bouquets of flowers I'm sorry it's not exactly in her skill where... set this is where like the episode's weirdness comes up because when you have that scene where Junior is turned into amoeba and back again yeah and so on Q says me and the continuum have agreed something it feels like. Hugh has gone to the continuum and suggested that plan as a parenting mechanism. Mm. And they've agreed to do, you know, because Hugh can't just take his son's powers away. So the continuum have done it to him to facilitate Hugh the father's plan. Um, But then it seems to be like some kind of cosmic judgment enforced from above later and i and i don't know about like i didn't pick up on that until you know it's like oh the continuum will find him lacking and i was like i didn't think that mattered like i thought it was all about your disappointment him and your yeah disappointment in him as a parent and also why would the q continuum also agree to this plan of sending him to aunt kathy if they knew that aunt kathy isn't going to be able to teach him how to like turn giraffes into microwaves and like create war between random species that no one's heard of like why did they not pick another cue or like some other alien with more mm. influence like that i think they could very yeah, easily have solved being, that by just not the, having that comment in i don't know why they had it there <laughs> yeah it, like there's some 
in some ways, I think this episode could have do- done with going to like a proofreader or through another drafting phase, just because I think it could have been a really great episode and it's merely a good one because there's these stumbles in places. Like, I'd say this is probably like a 6 or a 7 on the out of 10 all Star Trek episode scale. Like, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good episode. I think I agree. It could have done with another polish, another little bit of red pen just to tidy it up around the edges. I think it's got the makings of a great episode because, like, conceptually it's brilliant. Um, and there are some really funny moments. And there are also, like, some quite hard-hitting emotional moments that really do land. Um, I really, really felt it when Q, bless his heart, reads out that essay. And then Daddy Q just, like, doesn't even make eye contact. And, like, you can see that Catherine is fucking raging. And I don't yeah. know how she kept her mouth the shut. The death glares that Janeway gives people, like, both Junior and Q in this episode. When... When it's like, you need to parent him. Yeah, heard <laughs> and, yeah. And then, like, you know, when, when like, Junior is trying to pass off his essay, he's like, oh, he gave me a few notes on my first draft, that's all. Janeway is just like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's it's all just, like, conveyed in one death glare that's like, stop bullshitting me, kid. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Her death glares are amazing. I would love to see one in real life. I think I would just wilt and melt. But, um, yeah. I would not have been able to hold it in the way she did. Like, she handled it very professionally. She challenged Q politely. She was like, aren't you going to... Haven't you got anything more to say about his essay? Um, no, no, I'm done, blah, blah, blah. And then she says, aren't you going to tell him that you're proud? And he's like, no, why would I? I'm not proud. At that point, I swear to God, I would have I would have actually smacked him across the face. Like, I wouldn't yeah. have been able to restrain myself. I would have been like, look what you are doing to your child. Have you considered that maybe the reason that he's like this... Because you don't show him basic fucking affection. And when he actually tries to be good and he actually tries to please you and impress you, you ignore him and tell him his efforts aren't worth it. So is it any wonder that he's acting out? I mean, it's like, I don't know how Q can be so omnipotent, but also so mind-bogglingly selfish and and, and stupid. Like it. That is, you have just articulated basically what Picard thinks of Q. (laughs) Like, Like... There's always this, like... Like, I think the reason the Picard-Q antagonism works so well is because Picard is like, but if I was in your place, I would be doing so much good. Why are you like this? Like, he can't get over it. And John DeLacy, like, Q is like, why are you like this? Like, you know, why are you... You have, you know... You're striving for all of these fantastic, amazing ideals. And he's just kind of like, what's the point? We got to where we are by being what we are. Like, you know, there's no... The the, the cue were almost like, no, oh, we can we can judge you. And I bet there's... Yeah. There's so many layers to Q-Picard interaction, which I think, honestly... Honestly... Um... The maybe Q doesn't quite translate to another captain, and like he's just such a perfect villain for Picard that maybe Q doesn't work with other captains in quite the same way. Like I think Janeway is the closest, but like it definitely doesn't work with Cisco on DS Nine. Oh um, God! Well, I cannot see. Cisco for a fucking moment putting up with Q's bullshit. He punches Q in the yeah. face. No, I'm not surprised because <laughs> I know Picard will have this self-defeating intellectual engagement with Q because of that reason that you've just pointed out. Yeah. But he doesn't understand. He's like, but how are you like this? I'm going to debate you out of yeah. it. I'm going to argue you out of it's, your own selfishness. Q, Q and Picard are the internet comment section, yes. aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they, like, they, they are. They're both con- Every time they talk, the point goes over the other one's head, but they're like, but uh, you're just going to, and I'm just going to keep engaging you, and I'm going to keep engaging you until you get it. Um, whereas Cisco would be like, I'm just going to nuke this fucker because like, I literally do not have time. And, and, and Janeway falls somewhere in the middle where she gives Q just way much more time and patience than he deserves. And it's, it's, it's interesting 
I noticed that her attitude towards him in this episode completely, completely turns around the moment he asks, he actually charges her with responsibility for a child. Like, she obviously points out that she's, it's completely wrong of him to do that, to force responsibility for his own child or yeah. someone else. But the moment she realises that she hasn't got the power to control that, she immediately puts aside all of her animosity towards him. And immediately to shelves extent, all of it so that she can prioritise that child's needs. And I yeah. just think, I have just enormous respect for that. And there's also no way Picard would have been able to do that. He would have just still been ranting. To some extent, though, you know, Janeway did accept some, you know, she said she'd be the godparent and so on. So there is some, you know, there is some acknowledged... It's not to the extent Q wants it, but I, I feel like that would... It's not that that makes what Q is asking reasonable, but I think it informs Janeway's decision, yeah, right? Like, yeah. she she takes that seriously. Yeah, she takes her duties so seriously. She takes her responsibility really seriously, and she clearly does feel a genuine affection and responsibility for Q, Junior. Um, yeah, which again, like, mad respect to Janeway. I think she's just amazing in this. Yeah. But yeah, no, I would love to see amazing. Cisco just <laughs> I would love to see an episode that's just Cisco trying to repeatedly murder Q and then Q coming back like Harry Mudd on a time loop. <laughs> it's like this time we're going to blow him up. This time we're going to push him out of the airlock. This time we're going to yeah. throw him into the wormhole <laughs> and just every time immediately like battle stations kill him as soon as he appears. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think we're getting to the end of our conversation on it. Um, we should we should ask the important questions because I realised, you know what I realised the, the 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 other day when we released that DST episode. No. that is the first episode we've ever released which hasn't asked um, at least one of those important <gasps> questions. Well, we're gonna have to make it, up for that. Because it started with a mock time. It started with the like, you know, I think. Uh, anyway, I think that it's is the first absolutely since... outrageous, and we're going to have to do something about that. So we're going to have to ask the questions twice and ask them more thoroughly to make up for the lack in last week's episode. <laughs> so Nathan and Space Steve Irwin, you can answer this as well. Uh, which of the characters in Q two? Would be most likely slash. Would you most prefer to see wearing a fez? Okay, so go with me on this journey. <laughs> Junior gets like Junior, but not him. He just puts fezes on everyone when he's acting out. But it's every time he dismisses them. So the time when he teleports all the staff out into a random corridor, fez on. Seven, loses all clothes, gains a fez. <laughs> Neelix, loses mouth, gains fez. <laughs> and then finally when it's like, oh, you should see the look on your faces, you can mirror fez. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like that. I, I really, really like that. <laughs> That's really yeah. good. Yes, agreed. Headcanon accepted. Right, question number two. Uh, the Klim question, which of these characters would be most likely to demand to speak to the space manager? Junior or Q? Oh, God, yeah. It's one of them. Oh, I think... Yeah. I mean, Q basically does go speak he to the does, manager, he doesn't really... he? Because he's like, the second that judgment is out, he's like, this is outrageous! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, I feel like entitlement is the defining feature of a Karen and Q Jr. is just so yeah. entitled in this episode. I think we've got to give him the Klim Award. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because we're never going to be able to give it him again after yeah, this. Yeah, so, so we've got to give it him now because John Delancey yeah. is going to get it every time he appears. <laughs> mm. So, uh, finally, last and most importantly of all, <laughs> which of these characters would be most likely to suck their own cock. <laughs> well, Junior is a effective teenager. Yes. Which I think, you know, any teenager increases their life. <laughs> a chair, a chair, maybe not. Like, But I feel like we have to consider him on the <gasps> same grounds. I've got it, I've got it. So, right. 
Obviously, I think I said that Q Junior would immediately try to do it. I think I said that when he was a baby and that was cut out because yeah. that was deemed, you know, just too inappropriate, even for our podcast. Um, but he would 100% tell Icheb that it was a very important science project that the captain <laughs> had tasked them with doing and that they needed to do it. And it was very, very urgent to make sure that the ship was in good running order. And if he delivered all of that with a straight face and told Icheb to do it, Icheb would do it. And then he'd march straight up to the captain's quarters and be like, Captain, I've completed my assignment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. It would. And then Janeway would summon Junior into her, her office and just be like, well, you know, I thought it was important for, like, cultural exchange. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Cheb. Right, yeah, well, have you got anything further to add? Uh... I don't think so. I think that was a nice nice little episode. Um, obviously, we'll have Jake back next we'll week. We'll um, For better or worse, yeah. Um, yeah, um, and um, if you would like to send us a message, hang out with us on the socials, check out at RedShirtsCast on Twitter and Instagram, and I will get all of my stories from Destination Star Trek stuck into an Instagram highlight, hopefully by the time you listen to this, so then you can see all of the comments that we saw at all the different panels, and um, yeah, all of our photos from meeting cool people in London last week. Awesome. All right, well... Live long and prosper, and goodbye! Bye!